Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go well welcome in as we uh wrap up another week of the nfl season i won't say it's successful because it may have been successful for you it may not have been uh we'll hopefully be joined by matt in a little bit but for now um it's me and Dennis. Dennis, how's your Monday going? Well, let's define successful. <laughs> it wasn't you know? successful for the Broncos, I'll tell you that. Uh, or the Browns. Oh my gosh. Talk about a team that's struggling. At least I at least I expected the Lions to be bad. They, they are. Hope could be a dangerous thing. It, yeah, it, it sure can. Now, you know, we've got Fall is approaching here in the uh, Midwest, and it's starting. Leaves are changing. Temperatures are dropping. It was quite a pleasant day today with sunshine and crisp 60-ish, 65-ish degree temperatures. So it's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to go Cub Scout camp out this weekend, so I can't hardly wait. Hopefully the, the rain we had this last weekend got out of its system, so I'll be dry next weekend. I'm excited when I finally get home, we may actually have some floors in our house. So, you know, feels like progress. Well, before we dive in, we wanted to welcome you to 
Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast and let you know that we are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. It is a great network with tons of shows covering a wide variety of sports and other interests. You can find all the other shows on the football network by searching the hashtag TPPN, uh, just like you see in the upper, I believe, right-hand corner of everybody's screen. We we debate this every week. It's up there. The one that says TPPN is the one you're looking for. And before we dive into some of the recaps, Dennis, you want to tell people how they can uh, manage to salvage themselves for week seven and the bipocalypse that's coming? Well, I, I what I can tell you is that uh, I have not uh, apparently been spending near enough time with my Flash Update Pro. Uh, get the tools that help Bob Harris reach the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. FootballDieHards.com, Flash Update Pro, a full suite of tools to make you a better fantasy manager. Rankings, configurable cheat sheets, mock drafts, consistency tools, target distributions, snap counts, and so much more. I'll be diving in this week because with the Bipocalypse coming up now, it's time to uh, see what's on the waiver wire with injuries stacking up. You know, it's going to be a rough, rough uh, beginning of the buy stretches here. So you can go, go to footballdiehards.com flash update pro use code roundtable for an additional 15% off the already low price of $24 for the season. All right. Well, we are going to touch on a few waiver wire suggestions at the end of today's episode, because we will not be back tomorrow. We will be back on Wednesday. But before we do that, we're going to look back at week six. And that means starting with the early, early game in London, where the Jaguars managed to get their first win of the season in exciting fashion, 23-20 over the Dolphins. Tua Tungavalo was back. He looked pretty good in his return, Dennis. Uh, can the Dolphins get this turned around? They're already one and five. Yeah, I, you know, they're they can, but they're having some struggles on the O line. They're having uh, wide receiver health issues, much like the the Browns are with their running backs. Uh, and then they can't seem to figure out: is Miles Gaskin the guy, or is Miles Gaskin not the guy? I think the one thing you can kind of count on right now is Mike Gesicki and Jalen Waddle. Okay, that's two, but I was not good at math. Um, you know, they they their defense seems to have taken a step back, and um, maybe it was because Tua was out that they've they've kind of faltered. But uh, you know, he looked pretty good, and I I think that you know you have to have the right expectation for Tua. And it's not that he's going to be a, you know, Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. He's got some good mobility. Uh, he's got an accurate arm, not necessarily a strong arm. And so that that has to that offense has to play to those strengths. And with guys like Parker and Waddle, um, you know, I think in Gesicki, they've got guys that they can use uh, in a scheme that really works for Tua. So. Hopefully, uh, Brian Flores gets it figured out because it seems like he's kind of stepping back a little bit. Yeah, and that was certainly a concern. I I probably should have changed my pick to go with the Jaguars anyway because they're such a good London team. But then when they rolled out the inactives and I saw no Byron Jones and no Xavier Howard, I was like, oh, man, we're screwed. Tua, 
Tua I thought looked good. I don't know who the Dolphins pissed off at the New York office of the NFL because they're the first team I've ever seen go across the pond to London and not get a bye week immediately following. Uh, they have to come back and play this week. The Jags got their bye uh, along with five other teams. I thought it was funny the Dolphins didn't. But with the- well, I think they, they opted to not have it. I think it was their option, and they said, no, we'll be fine. Yeah, well, fine might be an overstatement for their entire season. They're coming precariously close to playing themselves out of the playoffs, and it's not even November. And I'm with you. The Miles Gaskin thing is incredibly frustrating, given the, given the state of running backs. He looks great the week before and then just comes out. And I mean, they said they were phasing Malcolm Brown out. If by phasing out they mean leading the team in carries, then uh, I guess I understand phasing out differently than Brian Flores. What's up? Hey. All right, so let's talk about the Packers and the Bears. Or no, we're going to talk about the Jaguars, right, before we yep, move on to Jaguars. the to the Packers and Bears. Matt, the Jaguars get the comeback win. Was this London, or are the Jags improving? Probably a little bit of both. They are a better a London team, but I think Trevor Lawrence, I looked at it today, he was QB 27 with seven interceptions, at least two per game in the first three weeks of the season. He's only had two turnovers total in the three games since, one interception in week five and one fumble uh, yesterday. I think he's playing a little bit better. He's up to QB 20 on the year. He seems to be getting a little confidence, and who knew giving the ball to James Robinson would help the Jaguars' offense be successful. Yeah, the, they're getting – it's just been a steady improvement, a little better each week. They're doing something a little bit better. And I I feel like that's sort of the, the approach you're going to have to take with, with that team. Um, we want that instant gratification of giving James Robinson the ball 25 times a game. But Marvin Jones has stepped up and become the go-to receiver uh, – He's playing. He's, he may be having a career year at, what, 31? And he's had a couple other pretty decent years. But, man, him and Trevor seem to just have that connection. I do think that in a perfect world, the Jags don't want Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball 41 times, though. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It was great to see James Robinson continue to dominate the touches there. Nice game from Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know that he'd be having that. had a... Uh my boy DJ Chark gone out, but uh, I guess we'll never know now at this point, but it's That's definitely it was two, out for DJ Chark. Two, two good weeks in a row for Marvin Jones, right? So maybe he's uh, going to start becoming a consistent member of your flex options or, or in the flex spot. Packers and Bears. Packers win this one 24-14. Dennis, is this the same old Packers and any interest in Alan Lazard? You know, the Packers are going to go as far as Aaron Rodgers can carry them. Um, that defense, who's their coordinator, Joe Barry? Um, I, I, I hear a lot of rumbling about the game he calls. Um, you know, losing Jair Alexander for even a short amount of time is going to be detrimental to that defense. So it, it's – all about Aaron Rodgers, which I think Aaron Rodgers really likes. Um, as far as Alan Lazard, I, I don't want him any more than I want Randall Cobb or uh, you know anybody else that's the wide receiver two there. The, the wide receiver two in Green Bay has gotten eight targets, three targets, four targets, six targets, three targets, five targets. Uh, it's really a uh, 
you know, I'm an MVS guy because he has that something different, which is the speed that the other guys don't have. But I think five targets is really where that second wide receiver is going to be. And so I don't know how much you can count on the efficiency uh, to produce in a five target uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, the best part of that game might have been uh, Aaron Rodgers telling the Chicago Bears he owned them, um, which was kind of fun. Alan Zard probably, I'm with you, he's in that lump of Robert Tanyan, uh, Randall Cobb, MVS when he comes back. Somebody's going to hit. We wondered would uh, A.J. Dillon's usage the week before pay off. He got 11 carries, had 59 yards, but nothing in the passing game. None of these guys beyond the big three to me is a reliable start. You're going to end up probably having to patch some of them over, or if you make a horrific mistake like I did in Scott Fishbowl, choosing Randall Cobb over Jalen Waddle by accident when I pushed the wrong button, uh, then you're going to end up with one of those guys. But, you know, you're probably not always going to be glad about that. Yeah, I'm not starting anybody outside of the top three. I just, I don't, I'd, I'd rather just take the zero on my bench than, Get or I'd rather take the zero in my starting lineup of not playing anybody than get my hopes up of starting like an Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, or MVS when he comes back healthy, and then just watching that zero just end up in my starting lineup. My guy, Khalil Herbert, looked good filling in for Damian Williams. We saw in the first week that him and Damian Williams had the same amount of carries, but Williams had two more receptions, or had two. Herbert didn't get any. Matt, with his performance Sunday, did he earn himself more playing time? I mean, it's certainly possible. You know, he was a nice dynasty stash before, and those who, of you who stashed him are probably feeling pretty good. We haven't heard any rumblings about when or if Tariq Cohen's going to come back. Montgomery's still going to be out a few weeks. At worst, for now, for the next three or four weeks, he's going to be splitting with Damian Williams if he comes back. But I think he's looked better as a runner. I wouldn't be surprised if they lean more toward him being the running guy and Williams being the pass-catching guy in the next few weeks. Yeah, that's how I would see the split being. Uh, you know, Williams is a, a good pass catcher. I think Herbert's serviceable, but I would, I, I think you're looking at 70% of the carries to Herbert and 70%, 80% of the passing game going to Williams once they get back. I'm probably more concerned to see what's going to happen when David Montgomery comes back. You know, is he just going to, take everything back over and then you got two guys vying for 25% of the uh, running back workload. You know, that's really the issue, I guess. And in, in the meantime, get out of them what you can, because in three weeks it's, it, it could very well be all gone. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago when when they were on the uh, waiver wire episode that we talked about picking up Damian Williams or Khalil Herbert. I mean, he's a guy that I'm willing to start every single week right now until Montgomery comes back. Then he's going back to my bench. I would not necessarily drop him with the way he's played in these first two games. Uh, but I, I agree with Dennis. We need to kind of see what that carry, what the carries may look like once Montgomery comes back. I don't know that he'll be back in a couple weeks either. Uh, they may kind of extend that um, a little bit longer, but we'll see. Uh, I'm good starting him every single week, though. I think he looked really good, and, and he'll continue even – 
even if uh, Williams is back next week, I mean, he had a good game. He just missed out on scoring a touchdown in that first week. So he gets a touchdown. He doesn't get you 18 points like he did this week or 20 points, whatever he got. But but he still ends up having a very good day. The Chiefs hold on and come back and beat Washington. It was a, a close game early in this one. Patrick Mahomes doing some weird stuff in this game. But they end up winning 31-13. Dennis, the Chiefs start slow, but rally. What do you think of William, Darrell Williams with CEH out? Well, with CEH out, it seems that they, they like – if you look at the two combinations they've had, they've had CEH and Darrell Williams. And in that situation, they're pretty happy doing a 50-50, 60-40 split. But with Darrell Williams and Jarek McKinnon – they're like, it's 80% Williams and 5% uh, McKinnon. And then we're just going to let, you know, Tyreek Hill or Nicole Hardman or somebody else get the rest of the running back workload there. They don't seem to be too into their third string running back at all. But, you know, they like Williams. I think the difference between Williams and Hardman is that Williams does not have the explosive upside. But he's 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 JD McKissick with a better running game. He's not going to make mistakes. He's going to know his assignment. Uh, he's got chemistry with the quarterback. He just doesn't really have any explosiveness. And if you're okay with you know four, five, six yards a pop instead of two, two, twenty-five, uh, then you, you know Williams will do well. They're, they'll use him when uh, Ceh gets back for whatever. He, I don't know why the Chiefs drafted CEH because they seem to hate him. Yeah, I mean, Terrell Williams was getting red zone and goal line work prior to the injury, so he's been a good touchdown threat. Now he seems to be getting everything. I was pleased with his usage. I think he's a mid to low end running back, too. Yeah. Running back two territory seems like a good fit for him, especially in that offense. I mean, if they actually do start running the ball with ex- as explosive as they can be, I could see him putting up even more points. Uh, just it has it's been a weird year for Kansas City. Matt is Washington in trouble. Um, we heard rumors that Ryan Fitzpatrick could be back within the next couple weeks. I haven't heard anything else since then. Uh, does him coming back possibly change things for them? I mean, I will say that. I won't say everybody. I was sold on this defense being what this team was going to be built around, and I have more questions about that than I really do their offense. Yeah, their defense is certainly a problem. The front seven hasn't lived up to the draft capital that was spent on them and what we think their potential is. The back end of their defense has been porous. But a big question coming out of last year's wildcard game was, could Taylor Heineke be a franchise quarterback kind of guy? They brought him back to be in the mix. He was behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. They liked the idea of having a veteran in there running the offense. They have missed a lot of their weapons. Gibson's banged up. We haven't seen Curtis Samuel really give them anything so far this season. De'Ami Brown's been banged up. But at the same time, I think Taylor Heineke, he's starting to remind me a little bit of Kyle Allen. What we saw from the Panthers, he had some moments where he got it done, but the last two games in particular against the Saints and against the Chiefs defense, which you thought would be ripe for the passing, he's he's struggled mightily. One touchdown, three interceptions. He's playing them kind of even for as early as it is, two and four, they're getting played out of a playoff picture, which can't be what they wanted. Yeah, Heineke is is kind of a young Fitzpatrick, uh, but instead of being a mad bomber type, he's just 
more mobile. Uh, but I think what, what we're seeing is that he can't extend in long stretches. It doesn't take long to figure, figure him out. Uh, he can come in and in a two or three game stretch, he can tide you over. But when you start getting four, five, six, seven, eight games, uh, Heineke, he, he just doesn't hold up. You know, Washington's defense, they're giving up the most points in the NFL. It's, it's terrible. For, for a defense that we now, they're They have a get right game in week eight when they host Denver. So <laughs> now the, their line is leading the league in pressure rate, I believe, but they're just not getting to the quarterback and they're, they're not able to cover. They're not making tackles. It's just, it, they're struggling all over and, and giving up points. And, and that just doesn't bode well when you've got a quarterback at, that you know, can't lift the team and, and win in a shootout. I, I think getting Fitzpatrick back will help, but I certainly don't think it's the answer. Yeah, I, I don't see any way that it could hurt. Uh, I definitely think he's going to be able to play better than Heineke, but I agree. I mean, the defense, I think, is the real issue here. I, I don't think that the offense has – him coming back is going to solve that much. It's going to make Washington that much of a better team. This defense needs to figure out uh, what is going on with it. Uh, Rams were down early in this game. Uh, You know, some may have been questioning what is going on. It was definitely a weird week in the NFL, but most of these teams ended up blowing out the other, and that's what the Rams ended up doing in this one, winning 38-11. to Dennis, how do you feel about the Rams' backfield? Well, I think – it's Daryl Henderson when he's healthy. It, if he's healthy, they want him to have the ball. They're going to run it with him. They're going to throw it with him. And I think they have enough confidence now in Sony Michelle that they're they're okay running the hell out of Henderson because if Henderson goes down, they're just going to do that with Michelle till Henderson gets back. Henderson has the explosiveness that Michelle doesn't have. Um, but Michelle runs well and seems to be picking up the offense. Uh, he just doesn't have the pop that Henderson has. So when Henderson's healthy, they're going to give him the ball and they're going to let him do his thing. And they'll give Michelle. It. Michelle isn't startable in fantasy if Henderson is healthy. Yeah, that's that's the way I feel. Henderson looks like he's a solid RB2 with some RB1 upside, whereas Michelle, when Henderson's healthy and available, looks like he's mostly a handcuff. There had been some hope that maybe both of them would be startable, that Michelle would be flex-worthy. I just don't see it happening. He wasn't even great when he filled in on his own. Yeah. Matt, is it time to worry about Daniel Jones's dynasty value? I think it is. This is was going to be a crucial year for the Giants. Now, I will say I don't think all of the one and five records on Daniel Jones. They have a lot of injuries. We've had a lot of questions about the coaching staff. He's had a lot of his weapons hurt, but I, I, he's not consistent. He's not making consistent progress. Perhaps he shouldn't have played yesterday. Maybe they rushed him back from what was a pretty brutal concussion the week before, but three interceptions, a really flat performance. He fumbled twice again, which has been his bugaboo for three years. He only lost one of them, but that's that's four turnovers. The big knock on Daniel Jones has been that he hasn't been consistent and he's turned the ball over a lot. And games like yesterday have to give you pause. It's very possible the Giants clean house in a lot of ways at the end of the season. Yeah, the biggest issue, I think, you know, Jones needs to have a lot of things go right around him. 
He's an athletic Jared Goff, basically. And they've got a a mediocre at best offensive line. Uh, He can't get more than two of his weapons healthy at any given time. I mean, you you look at it and you're like, well, Galladay, Barkley, Ingram, Shepard, Slayton, Tony, you know, they've got weapons, but they just can't seem to get any of them on the field together to be able to make plays. So I, I think you have to figure out what was his dynasty value. I don't think it was ever really real high. He was, I don't think we looked at him and saying, you know, top 12. So maybe he slid from, you know, 13 to 15, 16 to 20 to 26, somewhere down there. Um, but I, I don't know. He, he, He's not getting a lot of support. Uh, and then he's got Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator. So you kind of feel for the guy. Yeah, I mean, he he could be in a bad situation. You mentioned Jason Garrett. I, I would think he's probably bottom five in play callers, it feels like, in the NFL right now. And he's definitely not getting any help with from around him, not just his not wide receivers, tight ends. Barkley is out as well. I want to say they talked about on the broadcast last week that there's been only like six or seven games that all those guys, like their whole team has been healthy together. The problem with that is, is it's still going to be put on Daniel Jones. And I, I don't know that, as Matt said, if they do a, if they do a full, you know, front office cleaning that, if, that they're going to come in and say, Hey, whatever coach we hire has to, has to take on Daniel Jones. Cause we've seen franchises do that in the past and it has not worked out. So I think if I'm being honest, Daniel Jones, I, I would say that his value for some people was high. He was a guy that many thought could be a high-end QB2, or at least a middle-tier two, QB2. I think he's got to be down toward the bottom of like 30, 31, 32, because there's a realistic shot he's not a starter. He, he's the Mitch Trubisky of last year, and I don't mean that, and I think he's better than Mitch Trubisky as a player, but I could very easily see him losing his starting job and then ending somewhere as a backup and then really has no value whatsoever unless the starter gets hurt. So if he's one of your guys, especially in like a super flex league you're counting on, you may want to pivot quickly and and maybe you end up losing out if he ends up turning it around. But at, at this point, I think I'd rather cut my losses. And if he ends up, if he ends up proving me wrong, great. If not, you're going to end up with a dying asset. Well, I think part of the challenge comes down to how things are timed. So they have to decide next off season if they're going to pick up his fifth year option. And they'll have to do that before the new league year starts, if I if I remember correctly. Well, that means they're going to have to make sure that they, if they're going to make a coaching change, they do it quickly, or a front office change, that they do it quickly enough that they're going to, that it, whoever they bring in can help make that decision whether or not they're going to give that fifth-year opportunity to Daniel Jones, you know. The downside is like, who else are you going to get? You know, a they've got re- multiple first round picks, but right. I mean, and we've seen so it. Look at the five rookie quarterbacks this year, though. Yeah, but we've also seen teams do that in the past. I mean, well, I was not big on Josh Rosen, and and I mean, that's a, actually he's the perfect one to talk about because I know you didn't hate him, Dennis. You thought he was going to be good. You did not like Kyler Murray coming out. They gave up on Josh Rosen after one year for Kyler yeah. Murray. It, I mean, that it was the, the it NFL was clearly the right decision. 
Right. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying it wasn't, but the, my point is, I think NFL GMs now, especially once the, the rookie contracts have been restructured, they're more willing to move on than ever, especially because yeah. I feel like front offices and coaches are pressured more and more nowadays to win. You don't have Mike Tomlins and Bill Belichick's anymore. You don't. If you're not winning well, in a couple years, you're gone. I mean, look at Vic Fangio. Like, I, I mean, he is not. Yeah. I know. I know. I don't know how well, big of a fan at, you are of him, Matt. Look but. at Daniel Jones' 2019 <laughs> draft classmates. Dwayne Haskins already yeah. on his second team seems to have washed out. Drew Locke, I mean, we saw Teddy Bridgewater out there look like he didn't know what the hell he was doing, and Drew Locke's not getting And Daniel Jones, even if he gets washed after this year, is going to be the second most successful quarterback from that draft class. Yeah, it's just – I feel like everything it's it's quickly it's it's more and more becoming a what have you done for me lately society in the NFL. None of these guys are getting time. So I mean, I, I'll be honest. Like uh, I I wouldn't say there's nobody. There's two quarterbacks in this class I would easily take over Daniel Jones in a heartbeat. If the Giants keep losing like this, they're gonna likely be one of those top picks and they're gonna get a shot at him. So why not? And you could even keep him on his fifth year option as a good backup because he's gonna be cheap on your on your salary. And you still then have whichever rookie contract, rookie quarterback you get. So I don't think it's unrealistic that they, even if they, I think if they're moving on from uh, Joe Judge and everything, it'll happen once the season's over. I, I mean, I don't know. I know he gets a lot of crap talked about him with the way he handles things. I can't say if he is or isn't a good coach, but I, I could easily see this almost like the 49ers a couple years ago with when they got rid of whomever they had to bring in Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Like it was a, a one year thing and it was, you're gone done. I know judges had more than one, but I, I just, I can see it being a just look, clean house. Let's clean house and get uh, everybody new in here. I mean, the big question is probably Gettleman. If Gettleman goes, I think he's gone. Jones loses cover. If he doesn't go, if they decide to keep going, then, you know, they probably give Daniel Jones his full contract and see. All right. That's enough talking about the giants. We're not, we're not a giants centric podcast here. That's more than anybody's talked about the giants this season. It feels like, all right, the Bengals beat the the lions 34 to 11. Matt, are the Bengals playoff contenders? I think they are, you know, every year we see a team go from worst to, you know, first or into the playoffs and the Bengals were in that group of teams. We liked their talent. We just didn't think they would be able to put it all together. They've looked good through six weeks. They're four and two, their second place in their division. I think this matchup against the Ravens in week seven is going to be very telling, but so far I like what I've seen. Yeah. So my first con comment in my notes was contender probably i don't think the defense is going to allow them to advance then i went and looked and do you know that the Bengals have given up the fifth fewest points in the nfl it's like dang and i started looking you know sam hubbard i, I love hubbard i think he's great dj reader larry Ogunjobi, trey hendrickson logan wilson i mean they they're starting eli apple at cornerback but i i Guess with Von Bell and Jesse Bates at safety, you can do that, I suppose. But I, I don't know. Yeah, they've got a high-powered offense. We've always liked Burrow with those wide receivers and Joe Mixon. Uh, yeah, I think they are a contender right now. I don't know how deep they can go, but. Yeah, I, I absolutely think they are. They, they may be the best team in Ohio. I, I don't even think that's overstating things right now. I mean. The Browns have not looked good. Uh, they they have not been able to put things together. I mean, we should, in all honesty, should be talking about the Bengals being five and one right now. 
If their kicker doesn't miss multiple kicks, they beat the Green Bay Packers. They're sitting at five and one tied with Baltimore. And the only reason Baltimore's ahead of them is because I think they're more they've they're four and one in the conference. So I mean it's 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 insane to think that. I think a lot of it was their defense, as Dennis talked about. Matt, we knew we talked about that a lot recently when we when we both thought like, well, hey, we were talking about I talked about the matchup and I brought up that their defense wasn't giving up anything on the ground. And you looked and you're like, oh wow, they really aren't. Like they've been a much more improved defense. And I think the biggest key is Burrow. Now he hasn't been playing perfect. He's de- he's still been making some turnovers, but he's come back and been in, in magnificent since his injury. So I think they're definitely contenders. The AFC, I think, is wide open. I, I, I hope they make it to the playoffs. I, I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch. Uh, Dennis, who is worth starting from Detroit? Is it just Hawkinson and Swift? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't, they're wide race. They have probably next to. Houston and New England, hell, New England's wide receiver core may even be better. Uh, it, it's it's rough out there in Detroit. Uh, and it doesn't bode well for golf when your head coach is out there in the press conference saying, fella needs to make a few more plays and calling him by name. Uh, you know, that's, that's not a good thing. Um, the O-line can't stay healthy with Decker and Ragnow and Sewell. And, that was the that was probably the strength of this team, and that O line has just crumbled, and they just can't stay healthy. I think they got Decker back last week, but it's losing Ragnow was a huge blow. Yeah, I think it's just Hawkinson and Swift, thanks to volume. For a while there, I was kind of excited that it looked like Jamal Williams might be able to retain that, you know, mid to low end. RB3 value, but he's not getting the touches and he's not making the most out of it. And the rest of the offense is too much of a gamble. Yeah, I feel like we've been mentioning this for the past couple of weeks. I um, I would like to see Amon Ra take that next step and maybe he can work himself into flex territory. But for right now, it's just those two. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm glad Hawkinson had a good game because it, it was very quickly moving toward it's just where only uh, Swift is the only one we're starting every single week for the Detroit Lions. Next up, we have the Colts just destroying the Texans here. 31-2-3. Matt, is there anything else to say here except for the Texans are a work in progress? No, no point in kicking somebody when they're down. Define progress. <laughs> they're a work. I mean, they, they, tr- they play hard. They try hard. You know, much like a few of my fantasy teams, they're tanking. You know, they're they they play hard for Cully, uh, but they put together a team that was that is old and lacks talent. They're gonna get a couple wins just through sheer effort and catching somebody overlooking them. Uh, but it's it's gonna be. I mean, I suppose. If they get what Tyrod's back next week, maybe the week after, so he could give them a little bit of a lift and make Cooks really, really viable uh, again. But who knows if he'll be able to uh, stay healthy given the state of that team, though. Yeah, good old Texans. Dennis, another huge day for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, it, it was a little scary there at first. It, it was a little scary because uh, he had like two carries, I think, through like the first quarter, uh, but ends up having a massive day here for the Colts. 
Which receiver, if any, do you want in Indy? Well, I'm a Pittman guy. I actually, I, I just traded for another share of Pittman in the Infinity Gauntlet League. Um, I still believe in Pittman. Uh, it probably doesn't hurt uh, Pittman's chances that Paris Campbell is injured again. Um, poor pa Paris is, man, talk about not having any luck when it comes to injuries. You know, T.Y. will have a couple pop games, especially against Houston. Um, Zach Pascal pops up every now and again. Mo Alley Cox. Probably, it, maybe, I'm, I'm going to hope it was just because it was Houston. But Pitt, uh, uh, Taylor only had 14 carries. Uh, he did a lot with them, but still, 14 carries is not the kind of workload you want out of Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, but they only threw it 20 times, and that would be my concern when you're trying to rely on a receiver. We just have to trust, which is brutal, that Frank Reich's going to remember Jonathan Taylor's on his team and give him the ball because when he gets the ball, he's great. But when you're looking at receivers, I like Pittman as well. But the return of Paris uh, with T.Y. Hilton, you saw Hilton got four targets, Pittman got three. They only threw the ball 20 times. They hit, you know, they targeted about 12 different pass catchers. That makes me nervous about the volume. Just about the time you thought we had locked in on Pittman taking a step forward, I don't know if the volume is always going to be there. I just think it's Frank Wright. Like, I'm sick of him. I really am. He 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 kills Jonathan Taylor's value. I feel like he kills the wide receivers as well. It's just – I'm with you. I, I We talked a little bit about this on Friday, Matt. We were a little worried this was going to become the Naheem Hines game, and it, it sure looked like it early on. I, I had to stop paying attention to it, but I am glad that Taylor came through. Honestly, the, the one wide receiver I want on the Colts is Jonathan Taylor. Just throw him the ball, hand the ball off to him. That's all I want the Colts to do. That's it. I got so many I got so many shares now. I just just make your offense Jonathan Taylor and, and you're gonna be good. Probably the most surprising game for me. Uh, I was not expecting this game to turn out the way that it did. The Ravens beating the Chargers 34 to 6. Matt, are we worried at all about the Chargers or do we think it was just a bad game? You know, I think at this point, I'm just going to say it was a bad game, uh, you know, probably coming off of an emotional high uh, in that Browns game the week before. They're going to have an extra week to think about it. I think it's going to be motivating for them. Uh, they just couldn't get it together. And sometimes it's just not your day. Yeah. I mean, every team has a game like that. Uh, every season, you just sort of stumble and fall sometime and you just can't get out of your own way. Uh, even the the Ravens, it wasn't like they played super good. Uh, they got their they got things done, but it wasn't they weren't super productive. Uh, it, it was just a game where the Chargers just didn't click. The Chargers are on a bye next week. The Bills, God, the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Steelers, <clears throat> and the Jaguars. It is the fantasy by apocalypse. That is that's that's horrible. Not even gonna yes, lie. That's I, I concur. In a super flex league, I just realized I've unless I have Josh Watson Allen. gets activated, I'm not I'm not gonna have two quarterbacks. That's the crazy thing. You say that I didn't even realize the Bills either. I have one of my main competitive leagues where I have 
Herbert Allen and Baker. And we're about to get to Baker. There's a realistic shot. I have no starting quarterback this week. So, oh, uh, that's awesome. Good, good to know. Yeah, I, I do think it was just a bad game. Still all in on Herbert winning the MVP, though he probably took a massive step back to Lamar here now uh, with that mm-hmm. performance. Uh, it was just it was not a great game. Also, didn't think it helped. Staley was going for fourth downs in their own territory and not completing it, which kept giving the Ravens the ball with short fields. We, we call that uh, the Fulvic Fangio. Yeah, it was. It was just a. It was a weird game. They couldn't stop the run. I, I think the Chargers are much better than what they showed. It may have just been a little bit of a letdown. I mean, they had a. a Massive offensive explosion against the Browns. It was a tough game, I think, for both those teams. We saw both those teams struggle mightily this week. I wonder if maybe last week's game took a lot out of them. For the Ravens, Dennis, they they dominated three RP score, but still no Tyson Williams. He was a healthy inactive. Do you trust any of the running backs on the Baltimore Ravens uh, roster? Uh, just Lamar. That's yeah. the only running back I trust there. I mean, yeah, I know. They don't, they, they just, they when they play them, they're not giving them a bunch of carries. I mean, yeah, nine, nine and eight carries for their three running backs. And it's like, what's the purpose of that? Really just give one of them 20 carries and give it to them week after week after week. All right. So Tyson Williams isn't, isn't it for whatever reason you don't like those young explosive legs, then give it to Devontae Freeman or give them to Le'Veon Bell, but give one of them 20 carries and just let's go. That's not how the Ravens play. I mean, that that wasn't even necessarily how they played when they had better options of running back. It's going to be a mess all season. I maintain, I still feel like Latavius Murray is the safest yeah. uh, if you have to throw one out there, but I don't think you can rely on any of them unless they get a touchdown. You're probably not even getting a flex worthy performance. Yeah. I don't want to trust any of them either, but if I need someone, especially on a bipocalypse, that's apparently coming up here. Latavius would be the guy that I would be throwing in my flex spot. The Vikings, another game winning field goal. I mean, they have just been, I mean, these last second wins have been been ridiculous for them. They beat the Panthers 34-228. Dennis, the Vikings get a win and are now 3-3. Three and three. Are they better than we thought they were? Or me, maybe, because I was the worst out of all of the three of us. I think I picked them to win four games. Well, I think we're in a situation where now, you know, they've been playing well, and so now we're waiting for Kirk to have a two- or three-game meltdown because that's what we expect out of Kirk. But, I mean, he's playing well. Dalvin Cook's been mostly healthy, and when Cook is out, Madison is stepping in and performing at, you know, 85% of Dalvin Cook level. That hasn't always been the case when Madison has had to sub for Cook. He's laid some eggs. Uh, K.J. Osborne is making up for the absence of Irv Smith. Hell, Chris Herndon caught a touchdown pass this weekend that did nobody any good, by the way. Um, the defense is middle of the pack, giving up 22.8 points a week. So they're keeping the offense in the game and giving Kirk in that offense an opportunity to get some wins. Yeah, the offense has been good and has been efficient, and the defense has been good enough. Um, probably the – the saddest part of that game was it reactivated um, Matt's love of Chris Herndon. He's back on the train. Tight end one in your heart. 
I'm going to be honest, didn't even know he scored. Didn't even know he was still playing. I could have swore he retired. So now, now I'm not backing on him. I don't even think I roster. But he has a bye week. Anymore, think so. about it. Tied in, too, behind Donald Parham. Well, hey, uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. Uh, yep, didn't, nope, didn't care. Because I've got that person. I can't remember who I went all in on and picked Dan up Arnold. here recently. No, no, no. Rick, Ricky Seals-Jones. Ricky Seals-Jones. Uh, RSJ, baby. All in. 12 points. I'm good. I'm here for it. It's all I needed, baby. On the Panthers side here, Matt, uh, the Panthers lose their thir- third game in a row. And to make things worse, they put CMC on IR. So now we know he is out for at least another three games. Is it time to worry about Darnold and this offense? Yeah, they have not looked good, and they've been a turnover factory. They lost two fumbles through an interception. That's not been great. I, I, Chuba Hubbard hasn't been terrible filling in. Not quite the same dynamism. Their defense hasn't been quite the same. Uh, fortunately for them, they get to go play the Giants this week, and that that cures a lot of ills. Yeah, Chuba's n- no Mike Davis, huh? I mean, he seems like he's about on par with Mike Davis. Davis yeah. wasn't putting up huge numbers either. No, Tuba's playing playing well, and and uh, being a rookie, making the adjustment, I think he's doing good. I, I, I wish I had some numbers in front of me that would tell me how many of the seven missed receptions by DJ Moore and seven missed receptions by Robbie Anderson were Darnold's issues, and how many were the re- receivers just not catching them. Um, that's th- those. Those are tragically low catch rates for both of those guys. Seventeen out of forty-one, and very good for Darnold either. Yeah. Well, when you've got two receivers missing seven passes each, not converting, uh, that's fourteen. But if Darnold is not getting making the throws, you know, then it's not on the receivers. But sorry, I'm having it. I'm having a, a very funny chat that cannot be talked about on air. So, uh, anyways, let's talk about uh, DraftKings. And if, if you're not going to be able to survive the apocalypse in your, your home league, maybe you can at least try and win some money this week. Yeah, the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, has just what you need to get yourself through the apocalypse. So, even if your dynasty teams and your redraft teams are taking it on the chin, you can go play some DFS and make yourself some cash to help tide you over. Uh, we have a, a week seven offer for every football fan to jump in on. New customers can bet just $1, uno dinero, uh, on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores just a single point. 1943 was the last time we had a 0-0 tie in the NFL. Though given the amount of missed field goals we're having in this season, we may be uh, uh, in line to get us a 0-0 tie. Who, who's, do the Texans play the Lions at any point? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, let's see. All right. So if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TPPN, and throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. 
That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Uh, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for detail, details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, the Raiders beat the Broncos 34-24. Not at all what I was expecting, but uh, clearly whatever happened this past week galvanized the team. Dennis, the Raiders look good. With Kenyon Drake heavily involved with the new staff, is this a good sign of things to come? Well, define heavily. This is my define air quote show, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Drake played 12 snaps. He played 21% of the Raiders' snaps. Uh, Zay Jones and Foster Moreau played more snaps uh, than Kenyon Drake. Uh, he he had six touches in those 12 snaps and converted them into two touchdowns. I don't know if we can count on that kind of efficiency. Now, I am a Kenyon Drake fan, and I would love to see him get a consistent workload. Uh, maybe now that Gruden is gone, maybe Bisaccia or whoever's running the offense We'll say, hey, let's let's get this guy 45% of the snaps, see what he can do with eight carries and six targets. And then we'll get Josh Jacobs 18 carries and five, four targets, and let's kind of break it up like that. Um, you know, I, I've always liked Drake. He just, for whatever reason, has never been able to put the full package together. I will say I think the snap counts would have been higher if this game was competitive. They were featuring him a lot more in the first half. They noted on the broadcast that in talking to the coaches and talking to Drake, they uh, Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, said they wanted to get Drake involved, which would make sense since they splashed out all the money to bring him there. Um, they didn't really need to step on the gas in the second half because they had already beaten the tar out of Denver in the first half, and that's where Drake was doing a lot of his – um, work. I think it was encouraging usage. I am with you that we have to wait and see because they still have a lot of mouths to feed, but I think it's trending in the right direction for him possibly returning to flex value. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I was talking to someone about that earlier today. It feels like just the change in coaching staff is what's uh, really helped out Drake here because for whatever reason, for whatever reason, John Gruden spent all that money on him and they just did not seem to want to play him. But this new co coaching staff definitely, I cannot talk today. This new coaching staff really seems to like him. Matt, what do we think about the Broncos, and can they get it going? I don't think they're they're going to get it going. Um, you know, I think that three and zero start against a very soft schedule masked a lot of problems that never got any better. The biggest chronic problems the Broncos have had since they won the Super Bowl is a lack of efficient coaching, and pitiful quarterback play and so far I'm not seeing any of that step up Teddy Bridgewater's one redeeming quality was supposed to be his being careful with the ball and not turning it over he threw three interceptions and fumbled the ball away yesterday they aren't getting good blocking they spent $100 million on the secondary and watched Henry Ruggs get right behind him and torch him several times I'm very unimpressed and I'm sure Matt and I will spend a lot of time drowning our sorrows with each other on Wednesday, but this Thursday night game against a beaten to shit Browns team and a worth a shit Broncos team is probably going to be the low light of the NFL season. Case Keenum revenge game, baby. 
<laughs> well, Paxton Lynch already torched him in a preseason game two years ago, so anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, I just uh, – I, but how often has Teddy turned the ball over four times? I mean, we're, we're going to give Justin Herbert a pass on a bad game. I mean, Teddy's been fairly consistent over the course of his career. Probably the biggest knock on him has been his in a unwillingness to take chances. So I do I think you're going to win a title with him? Probably not. But uh, I don't know. You're you're the Denver guy, Matt. How how hot is Fangio's seat? I was about ready to drive there at the half. I, there was a plenty. I made a couple of jokes on social media, but I was not the only one that said Mike Shanahan's there getting in the ring of honor at halftime. Let him take the second half so we actually have a coach. It is not a good mood in Denver. A lot of people are pissed off they didn't fire him and or Shermer today. Yeah, I mean, I will say – even though Teddy Bridgewater may not have a lot of four interception games, I'm definitely willing to give Justin Herbert a pass, even if he threw six. No disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater, but the talent levels between Justin Herbert and Teddy, just tell me when, tell me when. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, the talent gap between the two. So, I I mean, I think Broncos well, you fans. Well, you for me, so I, you know. Well, you know, that's because <laughs> it, we're still going. We're still going. I mean, it, Justin Herbert is is incredible. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is a great game manager, and, and I do think that's why he probably started for Denver. We talked a lot about this in the preseason. Thought that defense was good enough to keep them in games, but if Teddy's turning the ball over four times, there's only so much that defense can do, no matter how good it is. Um, hey, another really shitty team. The Browns got their asses kicked, 37-14. to 14. I'm going to be honest with you. The score wasn't that close. It really wasn't. Uh, we'll start on the Cardinals side here. I mean, they keep it rolling. The only undefeated team in the NFL here, Dennis. Uh, I mean, how long do we see this going? This probably the best offense in the NFL right now. Uh until they have a game like San, uh, San Diego, like the Chargers had, um, then they'll keep it rolling. But, you know, Connor is RB22, Edmonds is RB17. They have four top 40 wide receivers. Uh, I know for managers that roster DeAndre Hopkins, you don't like to hear that because he's only wide receiver 13, I think, uh, on Fantasy Pros. But they're playing well. The offensive line is playing good enough to uh, keep Kyler Murray upright so he can at least run away from people. Uh, Murray isn't running a lot this year, but he is. He does evade pressure and get out, and he's. they've got a strong wide receiver core. Their defense is playing well, and, you know, until, until they run into something, until they trip over themselves, I mean, they went in there without their head coach and a bunch of other coaches, their play caller, and they just whooped the snot out of Cleveland. Yeah, and um, it's not going to get demonstrably harder this week as they uh, head home to battle the the powerhouse Houston Texans. Uh, After that, they have a short alert. Is that what I heard in your voice is upset alert? Yeah. (laughs) After that, they have a short week Thursday night game against the Packers. That's going to be kind of interesting. Their last game in October, but then, you know, their schedule's not incredibly tough. They're at the 49ers, a team that hasn't appeared to be quite as strong as we thought home for the Panthers, a team that seems to be having its own share of trouble at the Seahawks probably still won't have, 
Russell Wilson, or you have a Wilson coming back, hoping his middle finger is still attached to his hand. Then they get a bye week, and then they start December with the Bears. I mean, they could end up rolling a little ways longer if they get past that Packers game is probably the biggest challenge in that next yeah. six week block. Yeah, I think if they don't lose to the Packers on Thursday night, the next game is the Rams on the December 13th, 13th of December. And then the Cowboys in January. That is it. I don't see anybody else putting up a fight. So we could. I mean, there's a realistic shot that they have only two to three losses this year. And, and that's the thing. We're talking about their offense. Their defense has been playing really good as well. It's kind of one of the big things we talked about all offseason. I mean, that J.J. Watt has really helped kind of solidify that front line. That They've looked really good. To the Browns side here, Matt, I mean, they struggled. You know, lose Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb was already out. Beckham gets banged up. No idea if Baker is going to start this week. Can they rally Thursday night in, in, in the game against Denver? I mean, fortunately, Denver's beat up too. Um, but it it's going to certainly present a challenge. The Browns uh, have a lot of weight of expectation. You know, maybe they get Jarvis Landry activated. Uh, if Baker's not in, I'm not sure that matters. It's possible too. I heard, read today that neither Chubb nor Hunt is available. Uh, when you're kind of a power running team, that's a problem. Uh, their defense had been good earlier in the season. Uh, playing Denver on a short week at home might be more of a get-right game, but that's certainly going to be two desperate three-and-three three teams on Thursday night. Yeah, it's I, – I don't know what Cleveland is going to – they they can't get Odell and, and Baker on the same page. Hopefully Jarvis Landry comes back, but I, I have concerns about uh, – Baker's shoulder, he's going for a second opinion. I mean, but the Browns are falling apart. They can't stay healthy. Uh, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Richard Higgins both played more snaps than OBJ. But, I mean, oh, what, when did OBJ go out? He got banged up too, right? Yeah, he ended up coming back in the game, but it was like in the second quarter he got banged up and came back in. But they said he's still dealing with, I think it's a shoulder injury for him as well. Yeah, it's – yeah, I uh, I don't think uh, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling with uh, the Browns here. I think I think they're a year off. I, I think next I, I missed my Super Bowl prediction by a year. Yeah, what I've been <laughs> saying for the last thirty years of my fucking life. Just let's wait till next year. I I you know I said it earlier this off season. I, I, I that's why I picked Baltimore to win it. I couldn't make. I couldn't. I did have them go into the playoffs, but I could not pick them to go that far. I just – I was worried about what this defense was on paper, and the big thing was I wanted to see how teams would adjust to what Stefanski did last year. I think we've seen time and time again when these offenses come out and have all this success in one year, especially in a year like COVID with everything was restricted. We need to see how teams will react. I feel like teams have reacted very well to them. The fact, as Dennis mentioned, that they can't get a guy like Odell involved is just, it's its weird to me. I mean, look, I like Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's a good wide receiver, but he's not Odell Beckham Jr. Yet you can force the ball to him. You've been able to figure out ways to get the ball to Rashard Higgins, to Anthony Schwartz, but you can't get Odell involved. I just, I don't understand it. I, I kept saying I thought this offense would turn it around once Jarvis comes back, but if Baker's going to be out, maybe Case Keenum's what they need because Baker's... I'm going to be honest, the past couple of games, Baker's looked like like 2019 Baker. 
Uh, and it worries me a little bit. He's, he's gone back to the happy feet a little bit, moving around, still making some really good throws, but it's just, it's been a bad year for the Browns. And I will say, I don't want to excuse anything, but when you do not have your starting left and right tackle, I do think that that matters some. I mean, not having those guys out there for the past couple of games, I think has been huge in the protection for Baker in this run game, even though Chubb and, and Hunt have been fantastic. So uh, it's just, we'll see what happens. I, I, you know, Matt just mentioned it. I don't think either one of these teams wants to go below 500 and, and whichever one does. I mean, you got the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Broncos division. You got Cincinnati and Baltimore and the Browns. Like, it's not any easier moving forward. The Cowboys and the Patriots played a very good game Sunday afternoon. The Cowboys ended up coming up with the win in overtime, 35 to 28. Matt, your Cowboys came back to win it. Lamb with the touchdown in overtime. And, and, just give him defensive player of the year already. Like, let's, he doesn't need to have a pick. We got it. You're good, Trayvon Diggs. Just take the award. Let's go. But I mean, seriously, how good is this Cowboys team? Yeah, this is the first time the Cowboys have beaten a Bill Belichick uh, Patriots, coached Patriots team, uh, which was kind of impressive. It was a little closer uh, than I thought it was going to be a couple turnovers from Dallas, but they were able to rally and make the plays that they needed to to make i you know famously picked them to be my super bowl pick preseason and they've done nothing that has made me feel super regretful about that i think that they have great balance on offense and they've been very opportunistic and better on defense they've gotten some good players in there dan quinn has helped turn some things around i like what they're doing um i don't know if i'm a hundred percent on the mike mccarthy is the coach I would pick to take my team to the Super Bowl, but they seem to be doing better with clock management and some of those things. Five and one going into their bye, that's a good place to be. Look, I get that Trayvon Diggs is making splash plays and he's probably, because of that, probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. But you know what happens with good cornerbacks? They don't throw the ball in their direction. So offenses aren't afraid of Trayvon Diggs. He's making plays, but at some point he's going to stop making plays. They're going to figure it out. They're not, offenses aren't afraid of him. They're throwing the ball at him. They're like, all right, I don't think you can beat us. He, he is, he's on an unbelievably hot stretch, but he also, he makes a couple bonehead plays here and there. Uh, I think Diggs is playing well right now, but I have concerns about how long it's going to hold up. So, you know, they didn't throw the ball at Darrell Rivas. They didn't throw the ball at Stephon Gilmore. They didn't throw the ball at uh, Deion Sanders. So at some point, they're either going to have to stop throwing the ball at him, in which case says, okay, he is good in coverage, or they're just going to start beating him. I don't think they're going to start beating him. I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but seven interceptions in seven games. I mean, seven interceptions in a year is like a great year for some cornerbacks. There's some like, what is a really good year for a cornerback? Three interceptions. Like the, mm -hmm. what he's done this year has been phenomenal. I, I do think that he's going to be fine. I, I mean, I think Miles Garrett was in the conversation earlier in the year. He really hasn't done much the past couple games. Who else is in the conversation? I really can't think of anybody off the top of my head that's having a really great year at the defensive position. So, I mean, I, I really think he, he's he got it locked up. And I do think what helps him 
And, and what you're saying, Dennis, is because the Cowboys' offense is so good that teams are having to throw the ball more, which does give Diggs even more chances to get those interceptions. So I, I do think he's going to continue to – I don't know. He's, he's not going to get an interception every week. I mean, if he gets an interception every single week, I will shave my head. That's like how <laughs> – how how confident I am that that's not happening, but it, I mean he's he's just he's been awesome. I'm, I'm really happy for him. Matt Matt and myself talked a little bit about this last week when the story came out about how when he was in college he wanted to play wide receiver. Nick Saban told him he needed to transition to cornerback, and he hated it. He wanted to quit football, and now he's like, I'm so glad that he pushed me to do it. Thank you so much, Nick Saban. Like I love hearing stories like that, and I love that he is succeeding the way that he is for the Cowboys. Dennis, on the Patriots' side, I mean, they played hard. Mac Jones comes up with some good plays, but it was just not enough. Are the Patriots better than their 2-4 and four record? Yeah, I, I think they're better from the standpoint of they execute well, but they don't quite have the talent in some spots. Uh, you know, I don't think Mac is ever going to be Brady, but I think Mac has the potential to be, you know, Kirk Cousins plus, uh, he makes good decisions. He gets the ball where he needs to, uh, but he's not mobile. Uh, you know, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are both playing well. Hunter Henry's playing well. Um, they need to really work on getting some impact wide receivers. Uh, but they're going to be a, a close but no cigar team this year. Uh you know, I picked them to win the division. You know, I, I pushed my chips to the center of the table on Belichick, and, well, now I'm going to go home empty-handed. Um, but I think the uh, – you know, they're going to play hard. They're going to do the right things. I think next year, you know, they add some more talent at the skill positions, continue to beef up the offensive line and the defense. You know, next year it could be back to, uh, you know, same old, same old. Yeah, I mean, I think they're frisky two and four. They probably should be three and three. That Dolphins loss on opening day is looking more like a fluke by the week. Um, you know, looking at their schedule, they still have to play the Bills twice. They still have to play the Chargers. They still have a, a few tough games on there. They'll probably be right around 500. I think they've been better than I thought they were going to be, uh, but they're not quite where that level of excellence was set for so long with Belichick and Brady. Yeah, I, I thought Mac played really well. Was curious uh, to see Ramondre Stevenson having a pretty good game. Damian Harris went over 100 yards and a touchdown, so looks like that backfield is going to continue to be as confusing as as ever. But I do agree. I think that they're a little bit better, probably one game better, if I'm being honest, than their record uh, indicates. But, uh, you know, there's – no, it was probably not a chance to make the playoffs. I was say there might still be a chance to make the playoffs, but that's probably good. They're definitely not winning the division. Now, Buffalo has just looked unstoppable. And then watch them go out there and shit the bed tonight. Uh, last but Don't not say least, mean things. The, uh, I mean, hey, I hope not. I need Dawson Knox to have a big game. So come on, Knox. Uh, the Steelers beat the Seahawks on the Sunday night game. Geno Smith and Alex Collins look solid for the Seahawks. Uh, can they stay in the playoff race, though, Matt, without Russell Wilson and Chris Carson? I mean, I think they were only borderline nominally in the playoffs race with those guys. Uh, Gino looks like he's given it his all, but it wasn't quite enough. The Steelers weren't a great team coming in. 
looking at the division that they play in, I think if Russ really misses, you know, he misses at least a minimum of three going on there, but they were talking about four to eight. That's a pretty big swath. If he misses five or six games, I think they're too far gone. Yeah, even even with him coming back, you know, they were still having some issues. Uh, it's going to be – I feel like we're looking at at least five or six games that Russ is going to be out. Carson now, he's got a arthritis or degenerative neck issue. It's starting to kind of leak out and get put together. So I don't know what – you know how much uh, Carson will have to offer when he comes back. Is he going to go back to, you know, being what he was, which was a very, very solid running back? I don't know. Alex Collins looked good, 20 carries for 101 yards, and uh, he caught his only pass uh, target. Um, you know, Rashad Penny's back this week, you know, so he'll he'll come in and run a play and get injured. You know, he's the running back version of Paris Campbell. Or maybe Paris Campbell's the wide receiver version of Rashad Penny. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, you know, Gino is no Taylor Heineke, I guess. Well, well, if they're looking at Cam Newton, that tells you all you need to know about how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad that uh, Alex Collins looked as good as he did. We'll see, because I did see that report today that they were they they reached out to Cam Newton. I'm curious to see if they bring him in. I don't think that they'll be a playoff team. I picked them to finish last in the division anyways. That may not happen because San Francisco's looked much worse than I thought they would. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think that they make the playoff team, even playoff race, even if Russ comes back and, and they're close to it. Dennis, the Steelers find a way to win, but how do you feel about their passing you know, Ben just Ben struggling with passing. I I hope that you know he's able to put his pride aside at the end of the year. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we're at the point we're we're at the New York Giants Eli Manning point where Mike Tomlin has to say, "Look, man, you, you giving it it's it's like uh, what's that show Major League TV the movie Major League where yeah. the manager went in and got the ball from the old guy. He's like, you gave it all you got. You know, that's Ben needs to, he, he's just, he, he's got it here. He just don't have it here anymore. You know, that, that elbow, that shoulder, he, he never was known for being super mobile. Uh, but now he's, as he's gotten older, he can't take the pounding and still stand up there. Uh, the offensive line is a work in progress. Najee Harris is is playing. I'd love, man. I, I can't wait to see Najee Harris with a good offensive line because dude is balling out. It looks like he's ready to go. Uh, I don't know. I want I, I want Ben to be able to go out on his own terms uh, after what eighteen years now. But you know, Father Time is catching up. Yeah, it's just Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris for me. That's all I feel comfortable playing right now. Yeah, Najee and Deontay, that is it. All but right, they're on talk. a bye, so you won't even have those guys this I week. Know. Thanks, for, thanks for reminding me because lots of shares of Najee and Deontay as well. All right, let's uh, end a lot of those leagues. I'm counting on Nick Chubb to find a miracle cure to be able to play Thursday night. 
Waiver targets for week seven, and all these roster percentages are courtesy of Fantasy Pros starting at the QB position. If you are sitting there with guys like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, who are on by this week, Tua Tonga Viola is at 21.2% rostered, and Mac Jones at 14.7. Dennis, how would you attack the QB position? Which guy would you be willing to pick up more than the other? Uh, I'm probably going Tua. Um, I feel like he's got a better uh, stable of pass catchers uh, and a, a much weaker stable of running backs. And so they're prone to have to throw the ball more to compete offensively than uh, New England does. And their defense isn't as good as New England's defense. So it all kind of stacks up in favor of Tua. Yeah, Miami uh, gets Atlanta. New England gets the Jets, so both favorable matchups, but I would have two a higher as well. Give me Mac Jones, baby. No, I'm just kidding. Give me No, actually, you know what? No, yeah, give me Mac Jones. Two has been horrible. And I understand that Mac Jones is getting the Jets, but at least he's been somewhat consistent. Two at three for 300 yards and two TDs on Sunday. How many fantasy points did he have? More than Mac Jones. Oh, that was one game. Well, just saying, it's just one game. One game back. I mean, I'm 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 taking Mac Jones, Matt running backs. Marlon Mack at eighteen point nine percent. Le'Veon Bell at seven point one. Demetric Felton at five point eight. Chris Evans at three percent, and Dearness Johnson, who will likely be the starter if Chubb is out because Hunt ain't coming back anytime soon. He is sitting at one point six percent. This is the uh, desolation of desperation. Uh, I'm going to go with Felton, Bell, Johnson, Mac, Evans. I'm not entirely convinced that P. Ryan stays on COVID, which could put Chris Evans back to having zero touches. Yeah, if with P. Ryan back, Evans does become somewhat of a non-factor. Um I have concerns about both Felton and the Ernest Johnson. Um, I know they're going to play because they're like literally the only guys there. So they're going to play, but I I feel like it's going to be a uh, uh, hard lean towards trying to pass the ball. Uh, You know, there's a reason to Ernest Johnson is the third string running back. So, uh, I, I feel like right now, if I if I was looking, if I'm going into next week, I'm probably going to Ernest Johnson or Le'Veon Bell because I, they're going to get the touches. Felton is probably going to have more of an opportunity to make plays because he's a pass catcher. So in PPR, I might go that route. Um, I don't know. I, I just wish they'd do something with Marlon Mack and Indy. They said he could be he could find a trade. Not that he needs to come to Cleveland. Uh, that's not the answer. But uh, If that doing something is trading him, that's fine. Otherwise, you stay away from Jonathan Taylor's touches. That I concur. Yeah, I, I think I would actually lean Felton. I, know, I don't know how much run he's going to get, but he will be played at wide receiver some, so I think he's going to get a lot of points. You know, Darius Johnson did have a couple good games last year uh when both Chubb and Hunt were injured. I don't know that he's gonna have a great game against the Denver Broncos defense, but if Baker's out, I already think they're gonna run plan around the run anyways if Baker's in there with a the hurt shoulder, but if he's out and it's Case Keenum, 
they're still going to run the ball. That's what Kevin Stefanski does. So I'm, I'm still going to grab one of those guys and likely play him again with, with the amount of players that are out this week. After that, it's probably Le'Veon Bell because I just don't know what Marlon Mack and Chris Evans are going to be. If Marlon Mack gets traded, then yeah, I'm going to take him. But right now he's still I mean, stuck behind Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. So Denver gives know. up the fifth fewest rushing yards to running backs. Hey, you know what? Melvin Gordon was a crappy running back for a long time, but he got volume. Volume's king. Dearness Johnson or Demetrius Felton are going to get volume Thursday. I would not be surprised, especially if Baker doesn't play, if Stefanski doesn't run it 30 times. Like, I, I don't think he cares. He, he's going to run it. Case Keenum ain't going to go out there slinging the ball around. I'm not saying that they're going to succeed, but if Dearness Johnson falls into the end zone twice, that's 12 points a guy just got off waivers, I'll take it. Guys, this is a this is a good look at, at what the Wednesday preview is going to be. Yeah, it's a lot not of be fun. a lot of us trying to hug each other through the camera verbally. Dennis, the wide receivers: T.Y. Hilton at thirty-one point one percent, Rashad Bateman at twenty-one point two, Amon Ross St. Brown at seventeen point two, Khalif Raymond at three point two, Alan Lazard at two point four, and Donovan Peoples Jones at one point six. They're almost in order. Um, I feel like Peoples-Jones needs to be moved up because he is being explosive with what he's getting. But switching over to Case you know, I, Keenum is a professional quarterback. We've seen some uh, quarterbacks that aren't. Uh, he just doesn't have the set of tools that uh, – a normal starting quarterback does. If he did, he'd be a starting quarterback. Um, so that's going to impact people's Jones. And then if Landry comes back and Beckham is healthy enough to play, people's Jones moves down the pecking order somewhat. Uh, if the offense isn't converting first downs, they're not going to be on the field very much. It, it could be it could be quite a slog on Thursday night. Uh, I lean towards T.Y. Hilton because I feel like he's established. He's the wide receiver, too. They just lost uh, Paris Campbell. So Hilton, Pittman, Wentz is playing well. Uh, It's pretty easily Hilton for me out of this group. I'm going Donovan Peoples-Jones, then T.Y. Hilton, uh, then – Rashad Bateman, then St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, and Alan Lazard. I just don't believe in Lazard. I don't really believe in those Detroit guys. Uh, I was encouraged by Bateman's targets percentage, but, you know, need to see that again. Hilton Hilton could be better, but I've, I like what DPJ is doing, and especially if Landry comes back, I think that they have to throw with their running situation. He could end up making some nice plays. Denver's secondary has been sadly beatable. Yeah. Yeah, DPJ and Bateman are the two I'm looking at the most here. Bateman looked good in his first game back here for the Ravens, and they've proven that they want to be more of a pass-heavy offense this year. Uh, and then DPJ has been good now two weeks in a row. He seems to be the guy they're giving the deep shots to. He, he got a nice touchdown before the Hail Mary pass as well. Um, and as you just mentioned, you know, Denver's secondary has been a little bit beatable. Even if Jarvis Landry comes back, I expect them to continue to work DPJ into the game. They did it a lot last year, too. He was, you know, he started a lot this year. He's He's been getting a lot of snaps. He just not has really been involved in the offense, and, and that's been happening for him the past couple of weeks. 
All right, Matt, last but not least, tight ends. Ricky Seals-Jones, 24.1. Dan Arnold at 8%. O.J. Howard at 1.4. And Ross Dwelly at 0.7. I went to you. Ricky Seals-Jones is my number one pickup here. And then Dan Arnold seems to be getting some targets for the Jags. Of course, he is not going to play this week. So if you need somebody this week, uh, Ross Dwelly would be my third choice, filling in for Kittle while he's on IR. And then O.J. Howard would be my bottom choice. I Gronk was close to coming back, um, you know, and there's just so many weapons there. I don't think you can rely on him. Yeah, it's you love the talent of OJ Howard, but the opportunity is virtually non-existent, especially if Gronk comes back. Yeah, I'm all about Ricky Seals Jones and then Dan Arnold. Um, and you know, unfortunately, what last week, um, I thought that we'd get more out of Dwelly. They've shown the willingness to use Dwelly in uh, Kittle's absence in the past. And he just, for whatever reason, uh, well, I know the reason was uh, 97 carries by Trey Lance. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'd feel a lot better about Dwelly if Garoppolo is back. Well, Jimmy G practiced today and Trey Lance was unavailable. So it seems like it's trending in that direction. Ricky Seals Jones all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Ooh. All right. Well, that's good news. Kareem Hunt's injury is not season ending. That's good to know. All right. So that will do it for us today. As Matt mentioned earlier in the show, no podcast tomorrow. So you guys will see Matt and myself back on Wednesday to recap the Monday Night Football game between the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. And then we will preview the wonderful matchup between the Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos for Thursday. And the, the saddest rankings you're ever going to see. <laughs> Until now, then. Yeah. We have had some good primetime games, even when we didn't expect it. So there's hope for Thursday. Oh, it's going to be great. You can always go watch Dune. It's going to be, oh, that does drop it. I won't watch it then, but I will watch it this weekend. Maybe. I don't know. I got birthday parties. Why people have birthdays during football season is beyond me, but we'll get to that another time. we're, We're running late here, folks. So enjoy the Monday Night Football game. We will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.